Oh, yes, I'm hot. Hey. <laughs> Too early for this shit. <laughs> I've been up since seven. <laughs> yeah, but when we too and school, first day of school. Yeah, I, I'm a five year old, two year old. So I've, I've since seven every day, no matter what. Yeah, well, yeah. this is how it is. You yeah, know? I'll do this. <laughs> Getting up late, sleeping in. Yeah, <laughs> bullshit. What's yeah, that? Over. Right. Are you guys ready? No. <laughs> Slappercast episode number thirty. Three oh. Yeah. 30, wow. Monday morning, we've got a little bit of an earlier start than we usually do. So we're all having, we all have our beverages here. Patrick and I are drinking the usual coffee. And our friend Paul Beebe is here. Hello. With a can going? of RC Cola. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do the coffee thing. It's, it gives me a, it makes my stomach hurt. And yeah. It makes that's, me that's, that's half the fun. Yeah, I don't do that. Oh, uh, come on. Yeah. The next thing you're going to say, you don't like heroin. Uh, I, I say that I don't like yeah, heroin. Good man. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to play this for yeah. his wife and kids. Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 heroin's awful. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He said no. Ish. It also makes um, my stomach hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not I, I don't, doing I don't, it wrong. And I don't like cocaine either. I just like the way it smells. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so we're, we're, uh, we said Paul Beebe. Uh, the name probably sounds familiar to 95% of you listening in prison. I've been thinking about this, and I've known Paul. I don't know how many years. I'm horrible with dates. I, it's just, to me, it's, I, it's... I can tell you how many years. Really? Yeah, 19 years. 19? Really? Yeah. Are you just guessing? Is that R.C. No, Cola I'm, speaking? No, I'm, or no, I'm that? sure, because I, met you, because I met you right when the Continental Club opened, and that was in 2000, in summer 2000. Wow, yes, you're right. And you started working there right... You were working there right when it opened. Well, I've, I've, I I've known you for longer, and I'll, I'll tell you how. Oh, yeah? Um, there was a band called L Orbits here in Houston, Texas. And uh, do you know the year that was born? Well, I know it was born in like 1997 or so, but I didn't join it until 2000. Exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But I thought, was, see, that caught that me was, out. That was when I, I, I graduated college. I was, in, I was in New Orleans. And, and you didn't come in and sit in with them before that? No, I joined when they moved to the Continental Club. My first gig was their first gig at the Continental okay. Club. Okay, well, then your rep- reputation preceded you because... I had heard, I guess I'd heard, but I, I knew your brother for, for years before that. Because yeah. the Orbits, yeah. I booked the Orbits at a, we did a, an Elvis Presley tribute show. And your brother, David Beebe of El Orbits fame, who is now in uh, Marfa, That's Texas, right. yeah. way, way out in West Texas. Way out there. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he hold office for a time? Or he, is he still he's in office? currently holding office as a justice of the peace. Wow. Uh, for Presidio County. He's one of the two just, just, just die of the peace. I don't think it's the word, but sounds right. I like that. Uh, Cacti, just die. Yeah, I, just like die. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like it. Yeah, so <laughs> he's, he's, one of the two. <laughs> he's one of the two out there. And, uh, and before that, he was on the city council, the Marfa city council. Yes, that, so okay. Yes, yeah, so that's he, where he's he Marfa city council, and then he got elected justice of the peace. And he says he's not going to seek re-election as justice of the peace. I don't know what his plans are next. Oh. But he, it's not really completely a full-time job out there because yeah. it's, it's such a, uh, a widespread sparsely populated county so there's seven people it is it is simultaneously the largest county in texas by land and the smallest by population which is interesting hmm. but um, so 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 your brother david baby uh, Lorbert's fame and banana blender surprise and many others yeah. but he uh, um i did this show at uh, you know, a place that's uh, closed down now it's called garden on the heights we did an elvis oh, yes yeah and uh, we did an elvis show there and um uh, we had a bunch of bands a bunch of local houston bands come in 
And I remember El Orbitz came in because I asked everybody to do a couple of Elvis songs. It was a Elvis tribute thing. And I asked everybody to do a, uh, to do a couple of Elvis songs. And uh, a bunch of bands came in and tried to be funny about it. And they didn't learn any. You know, they were, uh, right. you know, they, 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 it's, it's really difficult to learn those Elvis songs. <laughs> but uh, El Orbitz came in and they, 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 they did a bunch of them. But I remember uh, one in, in particular was... Uh, Bossa Nova Baby. Yes. And your brother cool. whistled the, yeah. uh, the keyboard part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so just, yeah. I mean, and, uh, and, and not whistled like, like, a, like you know, like a, a big, it was through his uh, yes. teeth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you're related. You're related. Yeah, I can tell you that. Yeah, so, so but it was, again, uh, I, I could have sworn, and I'm really glad that you're, that you're telling the truth because I won't. Uh, I will forced, but uh, but uh, I, I really thought that I'd seen you before. But I I, I saw the El Orbitz play at the place not too far from where we Paul and I live, a place called Satellite Lounge. I've seen them a bunch of times. Yeah. And um, but I I just remember just being amazed at David's like Paul. David plays many instruments and great front guy and I, i'm sorry to to throw so many compliments at you here so sorry in the morning yeah, no, but, uh, it's, it's it's weird yes yeah <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, we'll get to all this in a minute but i so this was eating at me last night I, a trying to remember the date because I, I like i said i swore it was before that but uh b the amount of bands that i've seen you play in and yet the amount of bands that i haven't seen you play in and also paul owns bb gun studios where we're Currently, I saw working. Yeah, yeah, I say yeah, yeah. quotes, air quotes. You can't see them very well, but you, you can yes. probably hear them. If that's a really good <laughs> mic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're uh, we yeah uh, we went in the studio. Yeah, yeah, you were flying, and then we just disappeared. Yeah, um, been crazy. But uh, so so Paul's uh, recording our, our our new record, and um, we're in the process of re-recording all the parts for you guys right now. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, you may as well because nobody else gonna fucking do it. <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, so back to the, back to the past here, we're, we're, um, so, so I knew David for, from, you know, many different lines and even before, I mean, w- way before that, my first job in Houston when I arrived, uh, was a pub called Pig and Whistle. Oh yeah. Yeah. On, on Greenbrier, oh, yeah. Richmond, people say pig, pig live. No, that was much later or pig, yes. the pig two down by Yucatan, liquor stand. No, yeah. this it was be, pig. This is the original the pig live later. But yes. Yes. I remember the pig. Yeah. Muscle. So we had banana blender surprise. We had many, many, many configurations of many different bands in there. Uh, but, but I remember just being just, uh, David was the first, uh, Paul's older brother, David Beebe was the, was the first, person in Houston that I had seen with this immense Houston pride. Oh yeah. And there wasn't a lot of Houston pride in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very true. It was, uh, it was, or even in the two thousands, really, it was very much just like, uh, Houston, it's just yeah. concrete jungle, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And, and David was absolutely just sold on. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you I, I don't know what your Chad, what your take on it back then was uh i wasn't here for most of the 90s so um, but I, I i remember coming home and visiting with a with a friend of mine uh charlotte Dewan, who's now a new york times reporter but she was really into the scene around here drop. she she i we both went to hspba together but uh she showed me hspba I, 
HSP, the high school for the performing and visual arts, which just moved downtown. Now it's um, called the Kinder HSP. Now it's right? a Kinder yeah. school yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. pissed yeah, off a lot. Somebody of people. bought bought out bought the rights to the name. Yeah, the, the naming rights. To the yeah, school that's a whole whole controversy story right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, things when I moved, I moved to New York in '93, and so I, I think this was maybe '96 or something. I was coming back to visit, and things had already started to change a lot. Uh, there were a lot of lot of there was a lot of new coffee shop. Brazil had opened, which was sort of like the beginning of this mm-hmm. new kind of yeah. bohemian uh, kind of thing. Yeah, going I mean, on. the funny thing is, like Houston was like if you lived here and you knew where stuff was, Houston was a good place, to, like a cool place, and like mm-hmm. there was a lot to do. But from the outside looking in, if you were just visiting Houston, it was not obvious at all. It's it still like, true, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so anymore. I think that now is a lot more obvious stuff. Yeah. Like when you come in, there's a lot more. They're like visual, you know, it's like the downtown parks and there's, yeah, that's true. there's stuff. I mean, there's like stuff you can see when you just come in that you like, if you just go into an area, oh, there's a bunch of stuff here. Yeah. Like before it was like you drive through an area and be like, there's nothing here. And if you actually looked around closely, you'd be like, oh, actually that's kind of a cool shop there. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, oh, there's yeah. a store over here and there, oh, there's a, there's a live music venue right there. And this yes, building looks abandoned. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, but it was like. It wasn't obvious back then. Yeah. So everybody was just like, Houston's lame. And then they'd be here for a while and be like, oh, actually, Houston's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, why does everybody think Houston's so lame? <laughs> well, and then with no zoning, too, there's, yeah, there's, there's no zoning. You, you can stumble across stuff if you, if you get lost and you're, you know, back then. But now it's, people are flocking here. I mean, we have a huge influx of crazy. Yeah. foreigners. I mean, we always talk about how difficult it is to get around in Austin right now. Because it's so small and it's so overpopulated, and there's one road in and one road out, yeah. and then you're thirty five. Yeah. yeah, and then you're, you know, yeah. th- then you're just in traffic. Houston, we've got tons of ways to get around. Yeah. You know, you just have to know your way around. But I, I, you know, again, it, it's uh, I'm in love with this city, as I probably mentioned on every bloody episode, and anybody will listen, I'll tell them. But so Paul mentioned the Continental Club. That was my. We, we talked about that on a on a previous show. That was my. Uh, I opened the Continental Club, um, <laughs> much to the surprise of uh, Dazzling Pete Gray. Yeah. Uh, your brother, David, hired me yep. and didn't tell Pete that he had hired me. And I showed up on the day one and uh, Pete was, uh, I'm telling Paul this story for the, because I love the look on Pete's face. <laughs> Pete's the owner, yeah, uh, Continental Club. And uh, I walk in and he goes, who the hell are you? I go, I'm you know, David. Oh, okay. Well, just just go just go to the front bar. We'll just we'll we'll you know we'll make two and and actually Pete's one of one of one of my dearest friends now. But it was it was it was incredible. That was a, that was a wonderful <laughs> wonderful time. Did you guys know Pete before the Continental opened? I didn't know Pete before that really. Um, I knew him from he did actually he he was a guest vocalist on a forty five that Banana put out. Uh, this the banana lotus rise with my brother David's band. Yeah. David likes to do things that are completely contrary to what everybody else is doing at the time. Yeah. This was probably nineteen ninety three or ninety four when literally vinyl was at its very lowest point. Like no one's buying vinyl. CDs were everything. Everyone was buying CDs, CD players, whatever. And Banana Bunner Surprise put out two 45s at the time. Oh, cool. Which is like, I mean, nobody, everybody was giving away their record collections like crazy. <laughs> right. And they're putting out a 45. And yeah. one, of the ones they, one of the ones they did was uh, a 45 where David didn't sing either of the songs. <laughs> he, <laughs> just incredible. It was like the band playing. Pete sang uh, the 12 Bar Blues, which is an NRBQ song. Like, um, 
that it's, it's a 12 bar blues, but it's called the 12 bar blues. And it's like, I love the 12 bar blues. Ding, ding. He's playing piano and going crazy. And Pete's cool. Rock and roll thing is really cool. Yeah. The other side is Tom Clifford from Austin doing a song called she makes me rock too much, which I don't know who wrote that song, but yeah, it's, it's, I like that. title. Yeah. No one. That's cool, man. No one, David, like David, the lead singer of the band, isn't saying on either side of the record. <laughs> I actually saw back. I think it was '89. Um, as one, I'm sure I met David, but I don't really recall talking to him. But this is I was in a band called The Change, and we used to play at Zelda's a lot. And that one night, Trip, who was a sound guy, said, "Ben, you got to check out these guys." Yeah, a surprise. But he told me about the whole RC Cola uh, bit yeah. that he had with the cooler in front and everything. And I thought they were great. David kind of back then reminded me a little bit of David Byrne. He had the he had the suit on, yep. you know, and the sunglasses and stuff. And he kind of had this, and it really reminded me of like Little Creatures era. Yeah. David Byrne. <laughs> so I really I dug the hell out of them, man. That's anyway. a great band. Yeah. Did you sit in with them? Uh, not really. I mean, I was uh, I'm I'm a good bit younger than David, and they were sort of done by the time. I mean, yeah. I was still I was still in high school when they stopped playing. So I didn't really get it. I mean, I think there were a couple times when he brought me up on stage to sort of like sing backups or something like that. Yeah. But it wasn't. I was I was too young. I was, but I was doing my own bands already by that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started my first band in junior high. So, did y'all both start doing music around the same time? No, David. Well, David started when he was in junior high too. So, okay, yeah. Um, but he's like seven years older than I am. So right. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, David was playing, but by the time I was in junior high, David was already, he had already graduated high school and was in college playing with his band and playing with Banana and he also had another band in college. And so I'd, you know, go to all the shows whenever I could with my parents. A lot of times I worked the door. I was the, you know, collecting money at the door or selling merch for him or whatever. Oh, cool. Excellent. Like I was playing, you know, doing my own band, writing my own songs and, and stuff like that. Like I had a band called... It was started out as no trespassing, and then it became uh, Ant Farm, and then it became the Roof Badgers. After we were fearful of, uh, we had heard about a band called the Ant Farmers getting sued by the Ant Farm, like the company that oh, really? makes the Ant Farms. They're like they're like apparently just extremely aggressive about their copyright on that. Wow! And they or their trademark, and they uh, yeah they sued some band called the Ant Farmers that was like up and coming band and like basically destroyed their careers. And we're like, hey, well, we should change our name yeah. <laughs> before we pay a bunch of money and put out a CD yeah. in high school. Like, yeah, it was yeah, probably not really a real concern, but at the time it seemed logical. <laughs> yeah. But wow. then, you know, the, the, the drummer in that band is, is my friend Jamie Adams who, with whom I still play. Oh, okay, cool. And, uh, yeah. Beatle mm-hmm. and Disco Discussions and Light Rock right. Express. What high school did y'all go to? Uh, St. John's. St. John's? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, so in case you missed that, too. So this is the, the bands that are currently playing right now. Beatle, which uh, I think is... Uh, I, I, I just... I, if you haven't seen them, uh, it's every Thursday at the Continental Club and no cover charge and just packed room. People dancing, people just going crazy. Song one. I, I love that about that. And, yeah, and you know, fun. it's just, it's, you know, uh, you know, because it's a weekly thing and it's been upheld for God knows how many years. You, Paul knows. Uh, how many 17 years. and a half years at this point. God. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and, so there, there, there'll be parts that will interchange and, you know, musicians will, you know, uh, you know, have, 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 
stand-ins every once in a while, but the, just the energy level just stays constant and the music stays true. And so, so, there, so we'll get to all that. But um, so, Paul, so right now, Beatle, Light Rock Express, um, Disco Expressions. Mm-hmm. Now, are, are uh, what about uh, Grand Ole Grizzly? Grand Ole Grizzly is still playing. Yeah. Actually, Grand Ole Grizzly is going to be on a. Uh, the uh, Fox Twenty Six this well, on Friday morning this, this week. This Friday, this, this Friday, yeah. So good, Houston, uh, Houston's uh, Fox. Yeah. I like it. We've been a little bit, uh, been a little bit out of, uh, you know, out of pocket lately, just because yeah. everybody's we've all been busy with other stuff. But uh, well, summertime just just officially ended for us today, right? With the yeah. with school, school starting, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, the guy, one the the main guy in Granville Grizzly is also he, he works over at the White Oak Music Hall. He's he's one of the, the the guys sort of running that or helping running that thing. He's been very busy with all that in the last couple of years as it's been they've been dealing with lawsuits and other things like that with the noise. Uh, yeah, is whatever it, it's what it is. But you know that's it, that takes a lot of his time. So he's yeah, been, he's and, been for, and and for those uh, out out of towners, uh, White Oak Music Hall is one of the newer music venues. In town, and uh, I still haven't made it over there. I haven't made it's, it to a show. It's really, it's very impressive. They have, yeah, I've got, heard great things. They've got a big, a nice, a good size, big inside room that's like, I guess it holds maybe, uh, maybe like a thousand people or so. Yeah. And then they have a smaller inside room that holds, you know, 150 or whatever. Yeah. And then they have a lawn, they have an outdoor stage on a lawn that, that's a hill. It's right on the bayou. So it's, it's like the, Basically down closer to the body as a stage, and then up a big hill, sort of amph- amphitheater thing, which I think holds five thousand or four, four or five thousand. Wow! Um, and they have some pretty big shows there. Yeah, I imagine. But they um, have problems with the with the neighborhood around it and the noise. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Although realistically, I've been to the shows and they do not turn it loud at yeah. the shows, like the outdoor shows. I wear earplugs to every show I ever go to. And the outdoor shows, I was wearing earplugs. I was like, I can't even hear this. I had to take the earplugs out. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the volume of your radio or something. It's not yeah. even like it's huh. it's. Well, that's that, that's wise that you wear yeah, earplugs. I haven't worn earplugs. You know, we we, we I tried it for for a small time. And it was, I'm just, but, but I, I I enjoy the whistling and the buzzing and the crackling in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it sounds better than what, usually what I'm playing. Yeah, but, um, I lost a little bit of hearing. In my actually worse in my right ear than my left ear when I was first playing. Because uh, I wasn't wearing earplugs at all, and I was playing five nights a week, mm, yeah. and I, no- I started noticing that I was losing hearing, and then yeah. I started wearing earplugs. But you know, once you've lost it, you lost it. So yeah, yeah. That's just something I get to deal with. The fact that my right ear, right, right ear here is a little worse than my left ear, just annoying. Yeah, not but nice. I, I will say that your that your uh, the work that I've heard come from. BB Gun Studios has been. Chad and I have spoken, you know, a lot about the. Well, AA, you know, we recorded a few songs in there. Uh, I, I did a couple of solo songs in there, and uh, you're, you're. I mean, it, it hasn't suffered from what from the from the from yeah, the production I've heard. This is a lot more high end than the right yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, we, you know, we went in. You know, we were in, in, in the playback room, and it's it, it's 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 really the 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 thing I love about your studio is your comfort and your ability behind the board, behind the desk, watching how fast the stuff moves around, how, how quickly you can get, the, because I'm not the most patient person, though I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's um, a sitting still is, a, is difficult for me. Yeah. And, uh, 
that was one of the things that just just really uh, just blew me away was watching this the, the, the turnaround because a lot a lot of the time so so many again yes it's it's crap that you lost some of your hearing but there's no trace of that in, in the studio which is <laughs> which is a big 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 deal <laughs> that's good to hear yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll say it louder on the other side but um, we uh, many 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 things I want to get to just because I, at the length of time I've known you um, but one of the things is uh, Paul. Uh, graciously agreed a long time ago. I was trying to get this my first band together. I, I call it my first band. My first time I was trying to do this Irish rock thing. Well, let's be clear. This is the band that really put me on the map for, for like the, in the local Houston music scene. Exactly. you're about to talk about. Yes. This is the one that really opened doors for me. Yes. ZZ Top. Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. Wait, not that one. Uh, the other one. one. No, so we... <laughs> we uh, um, it was basically, it, it was basically like, like asking... Um, Asking somebody to play bass in my first band was basically asking them, you know, hey, would you mind trying out this Ebola for me and just, you know, <laughs> hanging on to it for a little while, running around? You know? It was just, it was this, because, uh, and, and your friend, our friend, Jim Hinkle uh, of Beatle fame, of L Orbit's fame, of, uh, I mean, just, of just. Just some Miss Molly and the guitar player. fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that too. We had yeah. it at Garden Lights. God. Wow. Um, yeah, he he had told me because I, I was so frustrated with with bass players yeah. that I, I was just gonna I, and I told him one time I said to him you know because he had fifteen projects going at the time and because I you know said man well, you know why don't you come play guitar for me just on a couple of nights a week and he goes well, I've got no time and I said well I'm thinking about going to bass he said don't you dare mm -hmm. go to bass he yeah. said you're the guitar player that's it that's the you know so anyway I met you a couple of times and asked you to play in my first band on the Dole. And uh, that's it on the dole. Yes, remember that name, people. It's yes. coming back. <laughs> no, it ain't. Uh, uh, but yeah, and we had had we'd had a couple of guys come in, and I remember one night, one night in particular with with this guy. I can't remember his name. I think it was Sally or something. But he had this. He, he came in with this this piece of plywood, and he had all these pedals nailed to it. <laughs> it looked like they were just. Usually, <laughs> some caveman had I put it together for him, and uh, so he come in and he had this half stack. And remember, we're playing at Slauncher, which is now yeah. Molly's, you which know, is downtown. Yeah, in yeah. like the little back, like basically in like a corner booth that they had moved the table out of. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the that's the blueprint for every Irish pub in the world. Yeah. Oh, James, put yeah. them over there. Yeah, move the ashtray; they'll go right there. And that's, <laughs> that's all you get. So um, we so we were playing the show, and this other guy that was trying out for bass came in, and he wanted to sit in well so this guy had, had, had like i said this massive again we're playing three three chords maybe yeah maybe, yeah well, you know, you know. On, on a complicated song yeah and uh yeah so, so this other bass and i asked him i said you know do you mind if he uses you know he brought his gear but rather than bring it into the cubby hole that we're in you know can he use your yeah oh yeah 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 sure well, before the other bass player got up, this guy just turned all his pedals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, absolutely sabotaged the tone. <laughs> oh, so it sounded man. like somebody was tearing paper in a microphone. It was like, <laughs> just, I, and I just, I couldn't believe and, and, and this guy was moving out of state. It wasn't like he was losing his job to a, <laughs> another guy. You know, so, but he just couldn't have anybody else. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, kind of fancied himself as a level 42 you know, Mark King kind of, you know, for, for these songs that just don't call for 
anything except, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit of, yeah, maybe, maybe a little gravy, but, you know, mostly meat, meat and potatoes. So uh, anyway, in comes Paul Beebe to sit in for, to, for a show, and we've given him a cassette tape with, you know, you know, a bunch of songs on it. And I still watch you play with Beatle or watch you, you know, play bass or guitar. It doesn't matter. But it's just, it's effortless. And it's, uh, and you went to school for music, correct? In New Orleans? I did. Well, yeah, I did. I did music theory, though. It wasn't like, it wasn't a performance thing. It was really yeah. just like a, you know, well, talk, sit around and talk about music a lot and don't actually play anything. Hey, that's, that, that's that sounds familiar. That's what I did in, for like four years in music school. We should do I a show about I played any, any yeah. instruments ever in class. Yeah. Not once. Excellent. Well, it, it, it didn't show. I mean, kids, I was I was amazed at how effortless it was for you. And but again, what it added to, to have a bass player comes in. You know, of course, I know it now, Chad. But uh, to have a bass player come in and add to the song versus, you know, I'll just play fifteen notes on top of the, the you know. So yeah. you know, we had again. It was it was it was one of those things. I, I remember a friend of mine, uh, Rick Ellis, came in to see us, and he had seen. Actually, he saw my first ever performance, and uh, I think he felt sorry for me. I kept coming back to see if I ever improved. It never happened. But he uh, he came in. But I remember him. He saying to me, he "Goes wow, what a what a." And, and Rick plays bass, drums, guitar, that kind of stuff, sings. But he he I remember I remember him. Just his eyes got real big when he heard us with Paul, and he was like, "Wow, what a great what a great touch, what a great you know great head for music." And that was uh, that was and, and again. It's my first band. I had no idea. You know, I'd never put never put a band together. Been in a band, right. nothing. So to see and to hear and to be part of that was that was incredible. And then, of course, you know, a hundred years later, now Paul and I are next door neighbors. We both, you yeah. know, we're, we're <laughs> so like, crazy. Wait a minute, I know that car. <laughs> yeah. God, it's like, is that? And he comes over and he goes, Oh God! He and he got a discount because I live next door to him. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh really? Yeah they, yeah, they gave me a huge discount because they were like this guy they across sorry the for street. Me. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the house across the street. And I looked over. And I was like, well, yeah, the house over there. Looks like, no, 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 no. The, the one that's kind of, the house that's kind of run down. That's not the problem. It's the one over here. The guy who lives there. That's the problem. That's why the house. That's why we dropped a hundred thousand dollars off the price yeah. of the house. But it's true. That's what they said. Yeah, but we've uh, we um, we uh, and I, you know, it's been. Uh, so you moved in when? Uh, beginning of January of like last year. So yeah, okay. Year and a half. So yeah, it's and it's uh, the, our neighborhood has been just just been a massive influx of people. Again, about ten. Well, actually, more than that. About twenty years ago, everybody started moving out of the city and started going down way way you know out you know just to get a little bit more land or yeah. whatnot. Well, with the with the rise of of Houston, Houston's just. You know, it's, it's been like we, we talked about having a bunch of people moving in from all over the country. Um, they all want to live in town. They all come back. They all want to come back because their drive, yeah. their commute's been a nightmare. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're all coming back in and trying to buy up what's left of the. And people from other cities who don't, uh, people from more condensed cities don't want to live, you know, 45 minutes outside of town, like a 45 minute drive with no traffic. They don't want yeah. that far. Yeah. Like, well, that's not, that's not where you're supposed to live in the city. We live in the city, right? Yeah. And that's like, and so like, yeah, the inner like the inner city in Houston will never be. I don't think it'll ever be like it was in like at the late in the end of the nineties or early two thousands when yeah. it was just really just. I mean, vacant houses everywhere and lots and lots of crime in yeah. the city, which is what it was like. Yeah, it's. I mean, this neighbor. I lived in this neighborhood. I lived in this neighborhood ten years ago too. Yes, 
um, before I got married, my wife and I lived in here, li lived here just a couple blocks away, and this neighborhood is totally different. Even then, like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't nearly as as clean or you know, a lot, a lot more, a, lot, a bunch of rundown houses, and, and now the commerce that's come in. I mean, yeah. we've just got, we've got. You know yeah. all the you all know all the like restaurants all the, oh, and yeah all the secondhand car lots have turned into restaurants <laughs> and bars and yeah. it's, it's 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 wonderful it's just and yeah. and working at night you know I I always joke about the traffic is because we we're we're leaving after we're leaving to go to go to work after the traffic's finished so yeah we, you know again we have the run of the city and it's just it's it, it's fantastic to be it's it's a great spot to be in but uh, uh, Beetle. Um, I, I just uh, I just want to you know, say for the for the Houston listeners, that's kind of a uh, that's that's not kind of that's an absolute must see to Continental Club uh, Thursdays. It's an early show too. It's yeah, it's nice it's, and early. It's like seven to ten. So yeah, it's it's not. You can still go. You can go and still get up for work the next morning. Yes, if if that's your deal. Yeah. Mm. Or it's, if your deal is like me and your kid's going to wake you up at seven in the morning, yeah. you can still do that. It's, it's, yeah. It works. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, an, and, and um, also uh, I was mentioning to Paul about uh, some of the, some of the places that we play that I think Beatles should go, you know, so anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be posting a link to their site so you can come and check them out. But I, I I'd like to see, I'd like to see Beatle in some of the places that we play just because sure. I, I think it's a, I just, I, I don't think it, it's an, uh, it's a great fit for any venue in that it's it's true it's true to the music but it's also it's 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 just such a great time and there's a lack of when we spoke about this with uh jose figueroa we had uh there's a lack of of a following for for these bands that are just putting on a great show to where you can come and dance or or sit and listen you know Beatles it's it's just it mind-boggling to me because people dance from the second they get there until the last song mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. Um, we've we've played you know the evening after Beatles sometime and the energy in that room you got to come out mm -hmm. kicking yeah. I mean, you got to come out stormy because yeah, it's actually it's, it's become it's become a little bit of a problem for the club because they can't find any like really any bands that play can't after us any. that can hold keep any of the crowd there or yeah. like that you know that want to play after us. A lot of them are like, yeah. only playing at the Beatles. <laughs> the energy level's too high. Like we don't we're, we're like more mellow and yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I've seen it. I, I, yeah. I, again, I can't you know I can't recall the names, it's, but I see the people kind of they kind of stare at their shoes and they'll d open with a nice mellow thing. Like, oh no 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 yeah. no no! You got to you got to come out swinging, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's it really is, and it's it's. Uh, I always I always think there's you know, there's two kinds of bands that will follow that a really dumb one or you know, you know or, or 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 somebody that's 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 got a lot of kick you know that's got to be you know what I mean like yeah you, you have to know your your I, I we again we talk about the David Allen Coe show we opened up for for him at the the old Meridian <laughs> nice. and uh, we there was a a, a local band. I don't even know if they're playing anymore. The Flaming Hellcats. Oh yeah, yeah. are they still playing? Uh, I think they're kind of like here and there, but not not often. Yeah, they were they were that tight, you know, just kind of punk, you yeah, know, kind of. The, but you really punkabilly almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they'd, uh, um, but they, they they were good. And then we were, then we went on after it, and uh, and then David Allen Coe came out, and both bands had 
really, really brought it. You know, we knew it was a, it was a packed room, mm-hmm. and it was an August night, and it was. Uh, it's in his rider. He goes, "You turn the AC off an hour or an, two hours before he hits the stage." So we're essentially in a tin box in downtown Houston on an August. You know, turn August the AC he, off. Turn really? it off. He doesn't like it. It affects his voice. So uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. So we went on this. We're, you know, and of course I could sweat underwater, so I didn't need any help with that. Right. But so we went on. We killed it. I think we've ended with Folsom Prison because it's just, you know, we play it you know, a lot faster. Yeah. Than, yeah. And, and uh, so we end with it. Well, he opens with it, but he opens with, I hear the train coming. It was a, when we're, we're kind of standing there and our eyes back and, you know, we had we'd gone over really well because it's it's not they weren't expecting that, and yeah. but he then he started doing a I, I I don't know Kid Rock from, you know from Kid Creole or whatever but uh, Kid Galahad is what I meant to say sorry Elvis um, yeah. uh, Kid Jazz yeah <laughs> uh, he uh, he started playing some some Kid Rock songs and the crowd was I mean just. Just antsy, just just you know, they, they weren't happy about the the the, the heat. They the weren't heat. happy about yeah. the you know the the, the venues. The venue had poles in the middle of the, yeah. the room, so there's a lot of obstructed. That was yeah, a weird venue, very was, strange. And weird. the sound was never the, the sound, sound was, sound was never, never very good. good. And um, but yeah, so we 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 got out of there very 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 lucky because you know it, it, it the the room started emptying out before mm-hmm. we had. We had uh, we, we couldn't make it to the door. We sold everything we brought with us that time. Yeah. It was a phenomenal show for us. But because he was doing this thing, this uh, just this slower than mud. Yeah, that sounds. It rough. was a really weird show. It reminded me. It was like it was like a I'm trying to remember the name of that horror movie. <laughs> what was the name of that? Anyway, I can't remember the name of it right now. Was but, it was, was it How to Be Single? <laughs> <laughs> But one of the strange things about it was there there was no bass player in the band. There was like oh, like two other guitar oh, players. Yeah. Oh no, that's just the worst. And yeah. I found out later that the bass player apparently had like quit like two days before, like a couple later, just earlier in the tour. Didn't bother picking up another one. No. <laughs> well, you know, he, you know, he probably a bass player. Yeah, <laughs> and but he did have a hair roadie. Okay. So if, yeah, if, he had if, these dreads if, going all yeah, the way these down massive passes. dreadlocks. Yeah, and one would come over his shoulder and touch the guitar. And a guy would run out and pull the pull the dreadlock <laughs> away and put it back over his shoulder. Like, oh, I want that. He was back between the amps, like like he was the guy that they're like a ball boy at a tennis match, like just just crouched back <laughs> down there, like, waiting, waiting for an opportunity to. Because that's all that he was amazing. doing was fixing the guy's hair. That is amazing. <laughs> Crouching tiger, hidden talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was a it was a. He yeah. got to play bass that he could just you know do. I mean, playing the yeah. songs that slow, like doom. Yeah. Here, what you're missing, kids. Yeah, I, I want to also mention too that Chad's doing a uh, uh, Chad's also doing some some video. He's got his little uh, wrist computer, so all our all our Weight Watchers need to go and check out our our Chad's little little vlog. Oh, the YouTube channel, yeah, yeah. So. I, I was using that subject as an opportunity to kind of try to figure out the platform because I've never really kind of figured out YouTube before. That's completely yeah. off topic. No, no, okay. I, I, it, it is. It, it, it's uh, it's exactly on topic because if I forget that, we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to get in trouble because we're we're Chad and I will will on long drives back from like San Antonio or whatever. You know, we'll, we'll kind of map out 
you know the the, the plan because we've been trying to get we've been trying to get you Paul yeah. on this thing for 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 a long time and it's yeah. difficult because you live. So live, far from away, fifty feet away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we've we, we there's I mean, there's God, there's just so much. The, the, just the just the band stories, just the the recording sessions. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you know just that this stuff. This stuff is absolute gold. This stuff is absolute. I mean, just people don't don't. Oh, they they just. I was gonna say we're you know because they were missing your hand motions when, when you were doing the the bass player and hair roadie mix. Uh, I was saying you know we're, we're we're cheating the audience because that that's uh, that was that was probably my favorite part of the show. But um, <laughs> uh, the yeah the subject that we the the path that we take is absolutely. <laughs> It, you know, I was I was slagging David Lee Roth. You know, he's doing his his uh, podcast, and I was making fun of his his uh, little tributaries. You know, that come off this massive river river of information. And if you can hang with that, it's 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 kind of like weightlifting for your brain. You know, yeah. listen to David Lee Roth first thing in the morning. And I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it because I can, I, I kind of, you know, a couple of the times I go, hey, speed up, speed up, because he'll stop, he's doing it on YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, so, so you'll, you know, he'll, he'll stop for facial expressions and, you know, and, and, you know, pause for dramatic effect. When I'm like, come on, keep going, keep going, no, no, you know, and some of them are only 10 minutes long. And I'm like, no, come on. You know, what? so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but I think what they do is I think they just, they, they, they film him for, for you know yeah, an hour and a half put it in bits and then they is, you know yeah. they, they chop it up well you couldn't possibly like just take like unfiltered David Lee Roth for yeah. that long <laughs> I mean it would just well it would, I, yeah. it would probably melt your brain yeah I mean, yeah yeah so uh, what, what kind of stuff did you grow up listening to Paul what was what oh, was your deal like then well you know I mean of course like my older brothers turned me on to the Beatles when I was like probably fifth or fourth fifth grade yeah. So like, I mean, in the, I, I, was, I grew up in the eighties. Was a kid, a kid in the eighties, and then high school in the nineties. And like, I honestly did not like eighties music, like even in the eighties. Yeah. And I still don't really like eighties music very much. Like, I'm a little bit more okay with it, but it's I just I have a really hard time with a lot of it. Right. Um. Uh. But like, actually, my favorite. I remember like in like third and fourth grade, my favorite radio station was Oldies ninety four point five, which is now gone. It was. It's you know it was I guess Clear Channel or whatever and, yeah yeah and it was but it was like the oldies station that played like like late fifties and and sixties rock and like early rock and roll stuff like mm-hmm. it's like the station my parents listened to but but I remember like I got like some cassettes from like the Shell station down the street they were like giving away free cassettes that were like you know because in the eighties everything everything was all the nostalgia in the eighties was for the fifties like it was like yes I mean you remember like things like. There was like the Fifty Nine Diner, and there, you know, yeah. like, and uh, there was that restaurant Johnny Angels, which was like, yeah, total. It was on, it was on Shepherd. It was like right. a throwback fifties diner, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was all that. I mean, there was a bunch of just. It was a lot. Of, we, uh, David likes my brother. David likes to call it eighties fifties. There's a lot, <laughs> lot of like. There's a lot of eighties like fifties throwback stuff in the eighties. Yeah, really that's big. that's true. And um, and so like the you know the gas station was giving away like these little like cruising like cruising hits or whatever, but it was all like. 50s, 50s and 60s songs like coasters and stuff like that, and I was like, man, this is awesome. Like my my mom was like, I don't want this, you know. And so I, <laughs> I figured I'm like playing on my tape. I was like, this is great. Like, and uh, so I'd like listen to all that stuff, and I go like my parents had like a bunch of like 50s records and you know stuff like that because they're they were high school 50s kids, so like they had some you know, 50s compilation records and stuff like that they had gotten later, and 
I like made like cassette tapes of like songs that I wanted off the records, like listen to all that stuff. And listen to like oldies ninety four point five. Yeah. And then I got then I got into Beatles. Like I liked the Beatles too. Then I got some Beatles tapes or whatever and started listening to all that. Yeah. And then like in junior high I started listening to like uh I started listening to King's X. That oh, became wow. like it was sort of a sort of a leap from like the fifties to King's X, which was like, you know, <laughs> sort of uh late, you know, sort of progressive metal and like kind of somewhat, right. somewhat progressive metal. There was a little bit of Beatles in there still. A little bit, definitely. Yeah. Well they they had a lot of vocal harmonies, yeah. which is like not not common in the hair metal days. Yeah. It was like three part vocal harmony, but they, they did a lot of that. But mm-hmm. some of the stuff was pretty, you know, like weird time signatures and stuff like that. Yeah. And I kinda got into that. And then in high school I sort of well then the grunge thing happened and I, you know, fell into the the grunge void. Really? Oh, yeah, I mean, not not too much. I was like, yeah, still, still, you know, still in my Beatles world, my Beatles based world. But, but right. like, you know, listening to the grunge stuff and being like, that song's terrible. That song's terrible. The right attitude, really. Like, yeah, yeah that song sucks. <laughs> yeah. That song sucks. This all sucks. I hate everyone. Yeah, it's like, very very yeah. grungy of me, really. Um, but by then, I was writing my own stuff, and I kind of just like. I just listened to whatever, uh, it kind of whatever came on, like whatever was going on. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff happening in the early 90s. The grunge thing and Guns N' Roses was still kind of big, you know? Like, yeah. There, there was still, like, There's, it was weird. If they, people think it was like, grunge happened and everything ended. No, grunge, like Nirvana hit and Guns N' Roses still had like another like four hits after that. Mm-hmm. Like it was not just like Nirvana came and everything was washed away. It right, was like, yeah. It was like there was still like hangover. Metallica had that huge black album at the same time. There was all yeah. this other stuff going on. So it was really more, it was not as clear cut as people sort of tend to define it at, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think, I think grunge uh, uh, rightly eliminated the, the poison, the Motley Crue side of it. Yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah, and that was a, that was absolutely <laughs> warranted. Yes. But that, that, you know, that, that was, stuff it, was really. And again, really I, I, I never liked grunge and I still don't like it because I was in the clubs at the time and everybody was playing it. Yeah. So I was getting secondhand grunge. Yeah, which and is, the, yeah. Yeah, secondhand, yeah, secondhand yeah. grunge was bad. Secondhand, so. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll. <laughs> Anyway, I'll, no, I'll, I mean, like, and you know, of course, you know, like the, the grunge thing happened, and it was like, you know, it was just like an influx of just all the stuff, and like a lot of that stuff was really bad, like, yeah. and, you know, and it gets filtered out through time, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. some of the good stuff gets filtered out. Yeah, I noticed that, like, you know, sort of seems like, well, the best songs should be the ones that like rose to the top that you hear now. That's not really true. Yeah, like it's like just they randomly pick songs to like bring back, and those are the ones you still hear. And you don't hear the other some of the other stuff that was maybe a little bit more obscure that was like really good, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's sort of weird, but also like the early a lot of the early grunge stuff like still had like the production, like the studio production style of like the hair metal, like the yeah. per- Pearl Jam's first album, like the snare, like the drum sounds on that. I mean, they sound just like every all the metal albums that came out at the time. Like, there's tons. They probably of just didn't move into the settings. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, huge these monstrous drums. Like, really, they, yeah. That sound really like far away in a stadium, like stadium sounding drums. Yeah. Like, if you actually listen to it, and like, it's like that's sort of weird because like, you think of grunge as being like these sort of like dry up close drums because that's because that's what it became. Mm-hmm. Like after like. A year or two, like the production went to much closer, like much more real sounds. Right. Like just my guitar amps and, you know, like 
getting rid of all the reverb, but the first grunge album, even like the first Nirvana album, like Smells Like Teen Spirit, like the drums sound pretty, pretty like 80s. Yeah. Like still like hangover 80s production. Yeah. But yeah, but it was, you know, it was because they didn't, you know, they hadn't like reinvented the way they were producing stuff. It was like, uh, and uh, you know, at some point, somebody, I think a guy, Brendan O'Brien, had a lot to do with it, actually, like decided to go from a much like this sort of reverby, you know, big sounds of the, of the hair metal to a much closer, much more realistic mm -hmm. perception of drums, especially drums are the way you notice it the most, I think. Yeah. Like reverb on vocals, whatever, like, you know, there's always, you're always going to have some reverb on the vocals pretty much. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they'll, they lessen to that, but like you know, the drums in the eighties were like, they sound like cannons. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like by the, by, like you know the time, blood sugar, sex, magic, or whatever. Like the Chili Peppers record came out, it's like, like yeah. it sounds like the drum. It sounds like you're sitting in the room with the drums, mm -hmm. you know, not like the drums are across a, a stadium from you or whatever. Like, right, right. But it was, but yeah, even the first, like the first few, the first few grunge albums, like the sort of big defining albums, actually still sounded like the hair metal stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. It's pretty funny. I, re I remember how Rev and this wasn't exactly grunge, I think, but uh, when the Pixies came out, well, uh, Pixies were like Rosa. Pixies were like really like the real founders of grunge, you like think the so? real, okay. like the real front runners of grunge. Yeah, they were, but they yeah. were so underground, right? They were like the underground grunge. But I remember he hearing Surfer Rosa for the first time, and mm -hmm. that was pretty, like you're saying, the, going from where we were to that really stark, yeah. in your face production. That was one of the first things I remember hearing in that vein. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's, it is funny though, like, cause that, that changed and that, I mean, that really changed. That's so like, it's, that changed forever. Like that never really went back to the, yeah. I mean, there's some songs that are like sort of throwbacky that have like that eighties drum production on them, like that are coming, you know, come out in more recent years, but it's definitely like a throwback. It's not like yeah. going back to like these huge, ridiculous, you know, Phil Collins sounding drums or whatever. And like, yeah, because it's ridiculous. Yeah, this yeah. Be, and I remember a lot of the bands I knew back then. Uh, sadly, I think because of of just the mindset of production back in those days, the they go into record an album and, and it's like all the life was sucked out of oh, the yeah. performance, you know, because everything was was so I don't know what it was like uh, compressed to hell and uh, yeah, I mean no, it's yeah, like, super super processed. Like yeah. everything was just. I mean, like, and, and actually, you could hear in the King's X stuff too. The first three albums they did, yeah. first three albums they did were like, uh, you know, total '80s hair metal production. I mean, like the whole thing. Like, it's like tons of reverb and delays and these drums that sound, you know, ridiculous. And then, like, the fourth album they did, they actually, they recorded it with Brendan O'Brien. It was like he did like uh, Brendan O'Brien did like the Chili Peppers record, like the that Chili Peppers record and sec second Pearl Jam record and. Uh, he actually did the Soul Hat record when the Soul Hat got signed, um, and did all a bunch of these, a bunch of hit records, like all in a row. And he had this sort of very dry thing. Yeah. That fourth King's X album, which is a Dog Man, it was called like totally had these really like dry, dry guitar sounds and everything. And it was like you put it on, it was like, wow, like that's this band is in your face. It yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. And it was like really cool. The record, the music on the record wasn't maybe quite as good as some of the earlier stuff, but like the record, the sound of the record was way cooler. It was like, this sounds, this sounds awesome. These guys sound really cool. 
but they were also really kind of weird and a little off to the side. And, so you in the studio now, do you, I mean, obviously it depends on your, on the, the, the artist. Phil Collins all the way. Phil oh, Collins fantastic. I was going to say. single song. If he was alive <laughs> today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's pretty much every song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, uh, my thing in the studio, I actually have a, a way of recording drums. I use several different room mic setups. And I have ones I can actually kind of pick after I record it, depending on how the song, because I don't always know, a lot of times I don't, a lot of projects I don't have any idea really what the band's going to sound like. And there's no budget, they don't have any budget to come in and like do like a, any pre-production or anything like that or talk about like what they, they don't really even know what they want necessarily. Yeah. And like, you know, and they're just like, hey, we just want to record like three songs and and we have like, you know, 500 bucks to do it. Yeah. Like, can we get three songs recorded and mixed for 500 bucks? Like, yeah, if we, if we do it quickly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's probably not going to be like, if you want to have it really great, it's not going to, that's probably yeah. not going to be enough. But if you want to just get a demo or something, yeah. Like a quick demo just to have something, then yeah, sure. Like, we can get you something that sounds pretty decent. And but in that case, I have this, these mic setups where I have like very close, very close up front drums. And then like ones that like a, a set that are like kind of more just like a sort of normal room sound. And then I have like one mic that's really far away that's like really compressed that gives us like sort of, I mean, it's almost like the Phil Collins, like, and I blend it all together. And I can, depending on how much of the close stuff and how much of the far away stuff you put in, it makes it sound either very dry and very clear or like, big and crazy yeah and i can put reverb on it of course and i hate the word organic because i think it's used i think it's overused mm-hmm. but i re- just be, being in the studio a few times with you the the sound is again from the stuff that i've heard is very very uh i guess we were talking about trish cramblin i mean just mm-hmm. i mean the stuff that i've heard is so rich but it's still it's 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 not overproduced it's not it's not airy and it's just really really it's just really tight and very very warm and very but I, and again that's where I would use that word organic because it's not a uh, I, I don't sit down I was going to say I don't like to but I don't sit down and listen for the production of the song I'm I'm one of those right. people that can go see a movie a crappy movie and kind of sit and just kind of like it because I, I, I don't go to a movie I, sitting still is difficult Right. Um, but uh, with uh, but I but I can, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> with with uh, with the um, I, I can kind of I, even a bad movie I can let it take me yeah just yeah. Follow, just you no, know I mean? without that. going I can, I can in sit, and solving it you know I can sit through I can sit through a, a, like a a bad movie and be like and be have be over and be like. That movie was pretty bad. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and I've walked out of many, many. But again, for the for, but for the records, for listening to to you know, I, I don't go in there with the intent, uh, you know, picking it apart. You're f- finding right. out. I, no, listen, I, don't, I, don't I listen. Think, I don't think most people do. I think most yeah. people just listen just to see what it sounds like and see yeah. if they like it. And but now that you know, we've been, we, you know, now that we've done a little bit of recording, you know, you, you kind of look for well, what what what, what do I want? It to yeah. sound like, and obviously these new bands coming in. I, I, I guess it, it must be as thrilling for you to to come in and listen to somebody really, really good and uh, maybe unpolished, and they don't know what they're doing yet, but they're but the but the talents there. Yeah. That must be really exciting, as opposed to 
somebody coming in with the oh, man, I've got the next hit song. This is this, this is gonna be great, and it's, and it's the yeah. free chords and the monotonous and the thing. You know, the, yeah, I mean, so I mean, yeah. you really you. No matter what you get, it's not enough. It's just financially, it's not enough because I know the we've played with that band. Sometimes we have been that band. That, 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 that's just been, uh, you know, you know what I mean. Just yeah, across. No, I mean, obviously, it's like some sometimes some some projects I get, I'm sort of like, uh, okay, well, let's just, well, I'll make it sound as good as I can. Yeah, and that's what I'll do, and that's, I mean, that's my job. And like, I'll try to give them constructive criticism to like, yes. Try doing this. This might work better. And yes. I, mean, I try that with everybody, even bands that I think are good. I would say, well, that's what, yeah, because I, I went in and did a couple. That's of, my job, but yeah, yeah, you know, like I certainly I'm more than welcome. I'm always more than welcoming to to bands that have no experience at all because sometimes they come in and they're much better than they think they are. Yeah, and then other it's times be a thrill. In, other times they come in and they're fine, you know, and and they and they need a little help and they need a little direction and then like they just don't they don't know really what to do, but they have some ideas and I just. I give them some pointers. I mean, I felt like one of the best, sometimes just like a, a sentence is enough to like really change your perspective on, on everything. Like I remember when I was in, when I was in, in high school, like I played bass in the jazz band and the jazz band instructor, who was not a bass player. He was a horn player, but he was like, I didn't know how to play bass. I, I, I played bass because my friend Hunter, who's in Thunderado with me was the guitar player. And he's a far better guitar player than I, than, than I ever will be. So I was like, well, I'm not going to beat him out on guitar and jazz man. And I wanted to be in it with him. And it wasn't anybody else trying out for bass. And I had a bass. So I said, I'll try out for bass. Yeah. So I tried out for bass and I made it because I was the only person trying out. And I mean, it was fine. But it was that was my literally, literally the first time I ever played bass in a band. And so, or maybe the second time. But, uh, you know, I was playing and the, and the jazz band instructor said, okay, so a good thing to do when you're trying to do a walking bass line because you have to do walking bass lines and stuff, which is which is a pretty advanced advanced thing. Is the note before the note you want to play either come from it from a half step above it or a half step below it? This for jazz. And I was like, okay. And all of a sudden, I was like trying to do stuff, and I was like, oh, that totally works. And like just like walk down and then go a half step above it and like, and land on the note. I'm like, and that sounds that actually sounds right. Like that yeah. sounds like a walking bass line. Yeah. That one thing, one thing. And somebody else said to me, you know, like just make sure to put like a little bit of space between your notes when you're playing. Like, don't go do, 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 go do, 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 do. Put a little tiny gap because we don't realize that when it's a little, when there's a whole band playing, there's all this, this stuff, the low turns into sort of a mush and you can't hear any, any of the actual hits unless there's a little gap. Like, do, 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 do. And it can be as much as like doom, do. Do do yeah. do or do 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 do. But if you go do 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 do, right. it sounds like nothing. It just sounds like this. Yeah, there's a. There's, yeah. It's it's what you don't play. Sometimes that's the and I hate right. you know that's. I mean, it's just uh, again, it's 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 said all the time. But again, it's not said enough. It's not said it's, enough. It's what, it's, you don't, it's what you don't. It's play. what you don't play. And the, yeah. the, the old Motown players were told, if you play above the fifth fret, you're not getting laid. So all those guys, you know, you have to stay home. Yeah, no, I mean, then that's the thing. Like those, like those two things stuck with me. Like stuck with me my whole bass playing career. And yeah, like honestly, I think those are probably like with a walk from the walk. And if, if I'm walking, that's like I still use that trick walking all yeah. the time. Yeah, and then like and. Constantly 
thinking about when I'm playing a bassline, especially on a recording where it's permanent, is thinking about like what kind of space am I leaving between the notes? Like where is it appropriate? Where you know how much space should I leave? Yeah, because you know well sometimes the difference between a verse and a chorus is how much space you leave between the notes. Yes, like verse you go doom, 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 and then the chorus you go and it feels totally different. Yes, yeah. I just that needs to be on on a plaque. That needs to be written on a maybe worded better a little a little better than that. But you know, but yeah, I mean that's you know that's like I I really I always want I want to capture typically when I'm in my studio I want to capture a band like I want to get the essence of the band. I don't want to like change their whole thing. You know, I want to I want to get the essence of the band, but get their best performance. And I don't want to. I don't want it to be something that they cannot possibly pull off live. You know, like I don't want to throw in a whole bunch of extra stuff. I mean, that's that's what they're really looking for. Let's say somebody, you know, if they have a project specifically where they're like, I want to have like string arrangement, you know, and strings and all sorts of extras. Well, okay, well, that's fine. That's what you want. But yeah. If it's a band coming in to like mm-hmm. do a demo, yeah, I don't want to throw in a whole bunch of extra stuff. Like you know, put a bunch of like organs and, yeah. and stuff like that that they that they don't have in the band like then they go play live and they don't sound anything like the record mm-hmm. yes. but that doesn't help a band uh, no that's cool for like a for like a band that's already established and like they want to do a record like that but for a young band or or a new band that's like just trying to get their stuff out right you don't want to be you don't want to be making it sound like it's something there's no way you could ever possibly play live right yeah cuz that doesn't actually help you at all you know, and it doesn't represent your band accurately. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, that's most of the projects I do, since it's mostly bands doing, you know, local bands, just trying to get their, get established either in the scene or just get their, you know, get a better quality recording to get out there. Yeah. That's usually where I focus things. And at other times, in other cases, it's projects where, that I do where I have um, musicians who maybe don't have a set band that plays with them all the time. Yes. Like Trish, like right. Trish's band is is a bit of a rotating cast of characters. Like um, her husband Dave plays with her pretty much all the time. Like Dave Payne, yeah, Dave Payne, great guitar player, yeah. great guitar player, great dude. Yeah, uh, but you know the bass player and the drummer and stuff like that. It's they're always it's kind of floating around. Did you, know, you play bass on the first record? I I played bass and drums on the first on record. the first record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the on this record as well, I'm playing. The See bass all and the, the things you get at BB Gun Studios like that. It's true. Yeah. So I mean, like, and she comes in these songs and she doesn't even have arrangements for them yet because she they haven't the band doesn't she doesn't have a specific band so it's hard for her to practice and get the band together and get like okay we need to get quiet in this part or whatever. So basically, we, the two of us, arrange the songs in the studio. Like yeah. Kind of go and say, well, maybe we could do like bring it down a little here and have like, and I'll come up with some drum beats and, and parts and everything, and really like really produce the song, you know, build the song from the ground up with her, you know, around what she has, and maybe suggest some edits and here and there, and we, we work on it together, and then and then she has a product that's sort of a set product, you know, like here's the song, this is yeah. how this is the arrangement, and it's a recording of it. And then when she has her band, her different guys come play with her, she gives them the recordings that we've done, says, these are the songs, here are the arrangements. And then they can listen to them and say, oh, okay, I do this in this song. Yeah. And it, and it gives her a consistency that she would not have without having the recordings yeah. you know, done in the first place. Yeah. So that's really how she's now kind of developing all of her music because she's found it to work much better than just 
okay, the song has these chords and just play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that doesn't really work, you know. Yeah. And, 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 Unless you have and, a set yeah, lineup. Having people... Giving them that direction, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the temporary or the rotators, you know, yeah, the, yeah. Come, that's, that's, uh, and hopefully she'll be playing with us again. We do the toy drive every year at the Continental right. Club. I'm sure she will. And, uh, ask her. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll probably mean that you'll have to get up out of bed uh, <laughs> that day and come up. I, again, I get up at seven, thir seven yeah. o'clock every morning anyway, yeah. no matter what. May as well come down. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that. Because she, she, she's a machine. She, she just, she's just writing all the time. And yeah. she's, uh, she's, she's, stuff. Uh, re yeah, really good stuff. And great taste, too. I mean, the, the main thing I remember when I first saw her playing at with the Toy Drive is she got my attention because they covered It, it Ain't Easy. The, the 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 cover that Bowie does on Ziggy Stardust, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is a very strange thing to pick up. That would be the last thing I would think anybody would cover, but she she went for that one, and that's really cool. Yeah, she 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 does pick good covers too. That's yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Yeah, that's a. I I'm 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 again I'm floored by the talent in this town, the 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 players, the bands, the songwriters. That's just the you know and. <laughs> it was great when you and Sarah moved in across the street, but it was also, I was like, wait a minute, Paul's got a studio. I'm going we don't, you know, last time we drove to Beaumont to record a few songs and, you know, just uh, having the, the studio down the street, it's mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, not, not that it's quickened. Our, uh, <laughs> process. Our, yeah, our process, but God. <laughs> anyway, cut that shit out. Uh, how did you, how did you uh, land that location, by the way? Well, that's the, the building's actually owned by the one of the investment groups for the, the, the associated with the Continental Club. Mid-Main, yeah. Like, it's the Mid-Main people, mm -hmm. and they, um, I mean, it's actually, there's like, I guess there's three different, I think they have three different uh, investment groups. There's the original one, the Continental Club group, and then there's the group that owns the building that like, Natachis is in, and the big in the big new building that they built with all the parking garage and everything. And then there's a third group that owns the, my studio and the buildings across from the that are all currently vacant because they're planning to renovate them and put stuff in there. Yeah. And the art garden and everything there on the corner. Right. Like that owns that part. And I think it's three different, it's mostly the same people in the, in the investment groups, but there's some different, different investors. Different. And since okay. they were established at different times, uh -huh. they set up different, Oh, I didn't know it was that disparate. That's interesting. But it's yeah. But the main control, I mean, the main controlling people are the same, right? It's Bob still, it's Bob Schultz and yeah. Pete, right. or, and and a couple other guys, who oh. um, who really. I mean, it's mostly Bob and Pete who have the actual say on things. Yeah. Um, because they're. I mean, Pete really does. Pete sort of runs runs the neighborhood. He's like the yeah. hands on guy, not only for the club but sort of for all the other properties too. He's sort of like going in there and like helping them out when they need stuff. He's like, get some, you know, hooked up with a, and you know, if they're having, they want to install some lights or something. He's like, okay, I got an electrician. Here's this, you know, here's the electrician call him, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's sort of, he's sort of like the guy on the ground dealing with all those things when they're, when people want stuff. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a really tight knit community too, of all the, all the businesses there, like everybody kind of helps everybody else out and, you know, supports everyone else. It's really, that's a, it's really fun to that's be. That's a part of town that you have to visit. Yeah, you, that's, you, a, that's you really, really, it's nice really to cool. So have you been recording? I mean, like, uh, 
I know you started in junior high with music. Did you? Did you and David start recording around the same time? Uh, or, or did yeah, you David. Uh, David never did his own recording stuff. He always he always went to studios when he was growing. Even in high, like they put out a cassette in high school, and they went to they did recorded at Sugar Hill. Okay, in like nineteen ninety. 19, that would have been my first guess. Nine or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they recorded at Sugar Hill. Yeah, um, legendary Houston studio. Legendary yeah. Houston studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, I recorded my band with with Jamie Adams. We recorded our first cassette. We borrowed some equipment from the school. Uh, I could borrow a mixer from the school, and we recorded instruments live in my gar- my parents garage with our ba- like our guitar amp. my guitar amp had a headphone out and the bass amp had a headphone out because we had like little little like small amps and they had headphones headphone outs going into the board for the amps and then mic'd up the drums recorded that onto one cassette and then overdub basically had one cas- two cassette players and played the cassette and then I sang I sang the vocals and we recorded that onto another cassette, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. how we recorded the first record we did. Right, we did like all wow. like live, and it's it, it's a pretty that's a pretty cool. awesome sounding record actually for for how little experience we had. It sounds pretty. I mean, it's super raw, obviously, because we're also like junior high. My voice is like yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. it's a. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty cool record. So, when did you first get into like actual multi tracking on your own? Uh, I did. I started doing that um, just shortly after college, about two thousand two, two thousand three. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I bought. Um, I bought one for my like a, a little computer interface called a Layla for uh, for myself for just to do stuff on my own. Yeah, and started like started recording myself and recording drums. Figured out I could like kind of record some things. And then, uh, about th- after about two or three years of kind of messing around, I st- like a friend of mine asked my friend Tino asked me if I could record his dad's project, like two songs. And oh, I was okay. like, yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah. So I did it. And then, like, the guys who were playing on that, like, well, we have a band too. Can we record? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> do that. Sure. And the next thing I know, I'm like recording all the time. Oh, cool. Like, so I so recorded my own bands, right. like actually like doing records for my own bands and, and then recording other and recording other people's bands. And then like started having regular clients and like went from my own room to like rented a place that had like my room. And then another room that was like smaller that I could like track in. And then when I lived over here a, a few blocks away, that house, one of the reasons we rented that one, we had, had a bedroom upstairs. We stayed. We slept upstairs. Had two small bedrooms downstairs, and that was my studio downstairs in the house. And then we bought the house we used to live in and converted the garage. Did a full garage conversion on that one for to build an actual studio. And then now I'm over here on Main Street by the Conroe Club. Yeah. It was a it was a very low a slow organic very organic yeah, process. Great. Was, yes, <laughs> I great, that word great, was coming yeah, down. Yeah, great organic <laughs> organic process. Yeah, speaking of organic, <laughs> no, um, but uh, also because we're gonna no. have Alan Hill on here. We were, oh, and, there you and, go. and you recorded Alan. Oh, that's uh, right. You recorded. You did all his record there, right? Did his whole record because he's place, got yes. a brand new record coming yeah, out next month, and we're gonna have Alan Hill on here talking about it and uh, talking about the Houston scene as well. Yeah. Alan's a veteran. Turn down the volume on the microphone a little bit. He's, <laughs> he's very loud. <laughs> that's not, I'm not, that's just not his shirt. That's his voice. He's yeah, got, that's, you, that's, you said he's got one of the loudest 
loudest voices, voices. I've, ever had, I've ever recorded. It's incredible. Yeah. I did, I'm like, usually if I have a loud singer, I notch this thing down one and only twice have I ever had to notch it down two notches from where I usually have it. And uh, once was with Alan Hill and the other was with a girl, like a girl who was like trained doing Broadway stuff, singing oh, God. at the top of her lungs, like yeah, full big note at the end of the song. Like, just super loud, about as loud as it gets. And she managed to peak on the middle of the one too, but only, they're the only two. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. Alan Hill has a very loud voice. Yeah, so I mean, so I mean, you've you've uh, you've you've been at this you've been at this game a while. I mean, obviously, it shows the the comfort level in the room is is what was the, the first thing that I noticed. But also, you know, like I said before, your ability to 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 kind of race around and just get to where you need to go. It seems like it. it you know, I my limited studio experiences it just seems like it should take a little bit longer but it's just so quick and it's a, so that was the, the thing that really that really excited yeah. me about going back and getting this you know it just it, it's nice to get to get that to, to get that turnaround yeah and to have it and to have it in in, in uh, uh you know because you, usually when you listen to something raw you know and, and you hear that the the levels aren't set and whatnot it's you know so you're hearing the drums way louder or the guitar way louder or something you know, it's just and it was it wasn't like that it was it was it was it was a playback to where you can you know you can hear the you, you can get, get you get a glimpse of what the finished product's going to be yeah um, a lot of that is um i try to i kind of have followed sort of a like the a little bit of an old an old school model where they used to do a lot of mixing on the way in on the with tape machines. They'd do a lot of the EQing and gain control and stuff like that and volume levels levels and everything on the way into the machine because uh-huh. it was easy, like much better to have things kind of right on the tape machine than to have to turn up and down the levels a lot, especially turning up levels a lot on tape. If you have to if you have to do that, then you get more tape hiss and everything else. So there's a lot of you know these these guys would record it and just have it very flat, like or have it. Where when you play it back, it already sounds kind of mixed. Um, yeah, I worked with a guy uh, on, a rec- on one of the first Thunderado record. I worked out in L.A. with this guy Steve Churchyard, who's a very well-known uh, engineer. And he tracked. We had Kenny Aronoff playing drums on that record. Like, I'm kidding. Which was incredible. Like that guy's probably like I understand why he plays on thirty major label records a year because he's just. He's so he's so nice, so professional. He shows up on time. He comes in prepared, and he just does not mess up. Yeah. Like he's just incredible, and he's and he's just it's it's amazing because he plays. He'll, you know, he played to a click track, and like a lot of times you play to a click track, like things started sounding kind of like a lot of drummers sound mechanical, stale. But when he plays to the click track, it just feels like you're playing with a drummer who's just really good. Yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> And like you don't, I mean, the whole time we're playing, like I had the click track in my headphones, kind of quiet, kind of quieter because I was playing, wanted to play to him. But like the second he would start playing, the click track would just disappear behind the drums. Wow! Because he was just so on it, yeah, you'd never notice it, which was which is amazing. Like it was just an incredible experience. But he he suggested getting Steve Churchyard to do the drum to do to record us because he's friends with him. He's like, and this guy gets the best drum sounds. Like we recorded in this studio, we we recorded in Steve Lukather's studio out there. Oh wow, and, cool! Which um, is called uh, Steakhouse Studio. Is his place? Oh really? Um, he has a great EMI Neve board. I mean, it's incredible. It's really awesome. It was a really great experience. Yeah. But like I I 
quote mixed the record like because he he tracked it and then gave me the files and gave me all the files and I took them back home and I we did a few overdubs at my house and 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 I mixed it but the thing was when I got the drum tracks he had all the levels set he had EQ'd everything on the Neve board on the way in because that's how he, he was he's an old school guy he, he had everything just set perfectly so I pulled up the drums on the thing and I pressed play on my own computer at home. I pressed play and I was like, the best sounding drums I've ever heard of my <laughs> wow. it, was, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy, I mean, he really does get the best drums. I mean, he's known for this. Yeah. So like it doesn't surprise me. But I, like so it, what did surprise me was I was looking at like the way the waveforms on the screen. You can see the waveforms. Some of them are big, some of them are small. And like, you know, I was always sort of, you know, people said, like, well, you just gotta make sure you get like a good sized waveform, which is good, a good approach generally. But like he's looking at the whole drum mix, and so like things like the hi hat mic, which you don't really want to have very much of, but just maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. The waveform was really really small, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What's well, it? Why is that small?" And I turned it up. I was like, "Oh, because it sounds bad if you turn it up. It should. That's it's that's where it's supposed to be. Like yeah. it doesn't need to be any higher than that. Yeah. Like this is this is because he tracked this the way it's supposed to sound, yeah. not the way you know like. And so I've taken more of the Steve Churchyard approach ever since then. Like I've wanted and. And for a long time, it took me a long while for me to have the equipment and and you know means to be able to do that. But now that I do, now that I have a place where I can do that and and a good mixing board that I can you know mix on the way in and everything. Yeah, I have it sort of. I sort of do levels that way. I get the drum sounds where they're playing and it sounds right in the room when I'm recording it. And then when I come back to mix it, it's there's not really that much I have to do. And and I'm starting out with something that sounds great. Instead of something that sounds not so great, yeah, because when it's not so great, you have to try to fix it. And as the old expression is, you can't polish a turd, right? So exactly, you get it. If it's really bad sounding, you're just stuck with something that doesn't sound good, and there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about it. So yeah. right, that's a lot of a lot of what I'm, a lot of what a lot of what I try to do is to avoid that. Because early on in recording, I didn't know that. I just be like, well, just try, just record everything, and then mix it later, and I'll be like. God, the snare drum just sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. I can't do anything. Why? Can't, 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 yeah, you can't take that out you, you of a mix. Like, yeah, take that out. You got to make sure it sounds good on the way in. So, have you done much uh, mixing of, of live recordings, or is it mostly uh, just studio? I've done some mixing of live recordings, yeah. um, and again, you know that the the sometimes the problem with live recordings is that you will get like the one thing that just sounds terrible. Yeah, like if you have like a plugged in acoustic guitar or something. Right. But in straight into a board, yeah, just like ugh, just doesn't sound good. Yeah, like, there's nothing you could do, and there's nothing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, live is the most difficult. Uh, I mean, obviously, because you're 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 that's what that's what you get. Yeah, and you're stuck with that. And we have the we have a we have a, a hidden record that we don't talk about. Just for that reason, I mean, we just kind of went in. Yeah, 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 we can do it and again. Just like you say, yeah, we'll fix it when you get it. No, you won't. No, you, you, won't. you won't fix that. And you, you won't, won't fix, fix that. It. And it's that's just the thing. And that's why live recordings, a lot of times why live recordings, like sometimes live recordings sound great. Yes. If the per, if they took the time in the setup to get the live sounds right or to get the, the recorded sounds right while they were doing it, then live recordings can sound awesome. I mean, in a lot of uh, a lot of bands, what I do in the studio is record live. Actually, yeah. like when the Alan Hill record, most of that was recorded with drums and bass and at least one guitar all playing at the same time. 
and they were all and they were playing you know had them all all the stuff sort of isolated from each other so i could have some control mm-hmm. but they're playing at the same time so alan's record feels live like yeah a lot of yeah them, good you know like the i mean there's like there's some stuff they didn't play to a click track either so some of the songs like there's a little bit like push and pull here and i mean it has a, this energy about it that's mm-hmm. very it's a very live feeling record cool and that's what alan wanted i mean yes, you know, that, you know, that, yeah if if it had if it had been up to me, I would have said we should probably do these songs. You know, probably do this to a click. And but Alan didn't want to do it a click. He didn't. And he was like, I don't. I don't want to do that. I just want. I want to get the live, like the real live feel of how of how we play stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah. great. We'll do that then. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah like it, Thunder Rada stuff. We've the way we do it. We do also the same thing. We play bass and guitar and drums. It's a three piece band. Yeah. And I, I play bass in it. But we'll play bass and guitar and drums live, and we'll do the vocals after the fact. Yeah. Um, and we, but we do it live to the click. Like we all have the click and we all play live to the click. And that's just how we track. And that's, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see doing it any other way. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, that's I, how I, y'all have been doing yeah, it too. And, and I, mean, I just, I don't like, I don't like not being, I, I like being on the click yeah. for the first. So, so the click track is the metronome is the time, keeping yeah. the time. Uh, but also it's, it's, it also kind of, like you said with Kenny, playing like there's no click having that feel that's you can't you can't train for that no that's i mean that's the thing like you got to be so good you like, got yeah you got and, and i know and, i know a few other i i know a few drummers in in town who can do that yes and and they and they, they all play for thunder auto actually there you go yeah <laughs> thunder auto thunder auto is, is a is a three-piece band i have with my friend hunter perrin um who lives out in la he toured he toured with John Fogarty for five years, among other things. He's a really, really great guitar player. He has a, he has a show next month in Houston. I'm not going to be playing with him, um, but he has. A, well, then I'm not going. Well, don't want to. <laughs> um, he, but he's a great guitar player and a great dude, and you know, awesome songwriter. And we've been friends. We've been friends since high school. And um, where is he playing? He's playing at the Continental Club oh, uh, the weekend of the 28th, I believe, of September. And so, uh, but we, we started this band Thunder Auto a long time ago and had a drummer and then the drummer quit. And then we, and he, this, at that time he was touring with, with John Fogarty who had Kenny Aronoff playing in his band as well. And so that's how we got Kenny. That's how we knew Kenny and got the connection in the first place. Cause Hunter was friends with him from playing with him. And he was like, yeah, man, I'll play on a record. Yeah. You got to pay me, but I'll play. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we paid him and it was totally worth it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, but obviously that's, that's, a good solution for a record, but not a good solution for, for live. Yeah. Um, so we had a couple other guys kind of bouncing, bouncing around. And then we got Billy Walters, my friend, um, who is sort of the primary drummer for Thunder Auto, but he's also a very busy man. So he can't make a lot of the gigs. And he's, he's one of those guys who could play on a click and make it feel like you're just, just playing. I always, Um, I always feel like I can just lay back just lean back yeah. and fall like a trust fall or whatever they call it, you know, just to mm-hmm. lean back and just when that drummer can carry you, that's when you're, that's when the band's at the best. Yeah. That's, that's, that's when they're absolutely going to give you the best performances when that drummer, because, and, 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 and I, I can't tell you the amount of bands that I've seen that have absolutely been just awful because the drummer can't carry the. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, a bad drummer will ruin a band. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Phil Rudd from ACDC, we used to laugh as kids because he's just meeting potatoes. Yeah. But I'm telling you something, you're going to starve without that guy. Dude. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, you know, and again, I'm not a, I'm still not a, a huge ACDC fan in that. I mean, I like them and I really appreciate what they've done. And I love Angus Young as a player. Yeah. But 
the that groove, that set, that's what, you know, because I couldn't, I heard it in the, in the shops the other day, I was at grocery shopping, and I heard an ACDC song come on, but that just, goot, cat, goot, I yeah. mean, like, that's what I, that, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, 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 yeah, and then uh, 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 that, that, that low end comes uh, uh, in, that kick, uh, 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 oh my god, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, boom, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like rock and roll. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, that's. I mean, like a good drummer. And, that, and that's the thing. Like Billy. Billy Walters is a very meat and potatoes drummer too. Like he's not flashy, but he plays. He's got just a great feel, and like just. I mean, he plays the right things for the song, and it's so cool. And he's an awesome guy to hang out with, and like. I mean, he like fit in the band so well. We're like, oh, this guy's just great, you know. And then he got like really busy. He went off the law. He like got married and went to law school and stuff like that. So he kind of he kind of fell out for a while because he just was like, I don't have time to do it, guys. And like, mm. so we got this guy. We got a, a guy named Isaiah Gill playing with us. And Isaiah is out touring with Black Flag right now. Oh um, yeah! Wow. Yeah, Isaiah. He hates it when you tell people this, but he won the Guitar Center drum off. The ah. national competition in 2010. Really? He was the the top. He won the whole thing. And like, wow! And he is he is also very like he could play with a click, and it, it doesn't feel like you're playing on a click. I'm not and impressed. Is, I'm not impressed that he won it. I'm impressed that he went into fucking Guitar Center. Wow! But he is he is he is a he can be a crazy flashy drummer. Like he can do every. Yeah. It's it's like it's like insane. So it's like Billy and Isaiah are like kind of polar opposites in terms of like how they play, but they both kind of fit the band too because we can we we sort of do the meat and potatoes thing and we do the crazy thing and like meat and potatoes stuff like Billy is like can't be beat and the crazy thing like Isaiah's kind of can't be beat. Yeah, and it, but it's nice to have that as oh, a yeah, no, it's awesome. as a go to versus awesome. versus the hey here's the fifteen minute drum solo. Oh, yeah, God. so we, we got the choice of, like these two guys who were just both both awesome and like both fit the band great and like it's, it's super cool but every now and then it comes up where neither one of them can do it because they're both busy guys like i mean i say this is out on tour black flag for the next month and a half and like i know, you know what you're asking me yeah i'll do know. it I'll, I'll do it <laughs> so when that happens we got this guy this guy is the best kept kept best kept, kept drummer secret in the city of houston because he just moved here a few years ago like two years ago or three years ago maybe frank his, beard his name is no his name is <laughs> darion wadler Okay, you making this up? I'm I'm not. He's he's from Virginia. He primarily his his main gig. He plays at a big church down in Pearland. He's a gospel drummer. Wow! But he also went to Berkeley. And this guy, we brought him in on a Thunderado gig. It was a St. Patrick's Day gig where we had a two hour set, and all our songs are like four minutes long, three three minutes long, maybe two hour set. Gave him a list of songs, and he came in and just smoked it. The guy is a great, great drummer, super nice guy. And so now he's sort of like, when I need a drummer, I'm in a pinch and I need a drummer. I'm like, Darion, can you do this? He's like, yeah, man, I can come do that. Sure. Because he's, <laughs> because he's not actually that busy because he plays in this church. And yeah. they, they do Sundays and he, he's like rehearsals on Thursdays. But other than that, he's kind of like, you know, he gets paid a salary at this place. It's a huge, huge church. And so, so Darion, Darion has played with my light rock band. As the drummer, which light, I mean, it's Light Rock Express. So we're doing, we're doing like, we're doing like Michael McDonald tunes. Cool. And he's playing everything, just nailing it. Yeah. And then like he's played, he's done the, he's done the disco gig, my disco expressions gig, where he's playing disco all night. And he's played Thunderado, which is like, create, you know, like everything from like 
sort of meat and potato stuff, as I said, to like crazy, crazy drums or whatever. Yeah. He subbed in a grand old grizzly and he was awesome in that band too, which that's like Americana, like Tom Petty stuff. Like the guy's, the guy's awesome. Yeah. He can play everything and he's super, super nice. Yeah. So like, and, and I've recorded, I've tracked with him in my studio several times. So he's come in working on gospel stuff of his own. That's actually how I met him. He found me on the internet when he first moved to Houston. He had some tracking he needed to do for his his friends up in Boston from Berkeley, and they wanted him to do it. So he called me. He's like, "Can you, do you record drums?" I'm like, "Yeah, I record drums all the time." He's like, "Okay, I got I got some stuff. I'm gonna come in." And he sat down and he played. He's like, "I'm gonna do like four takes." I'm like, "Okay." He sat down. He got through about thirty seconds of one take, and I was like, "This guy is really good." Mm. But you know, you can tell the drummer when they first sit. Like, you. Know, 10, 10 seconds in, you're like, you could tell if a drummer's yeah. good or bad. Yeah. Because I was like, oh man, this guy's good. I got to get his number. Right. And then, so ever since then, like, now I call him, I basically call him whenever I need a drummer for any of my bands. Yeah. If so I'm like cool. in, a, in yeah. a pinch, I'm like, Darion, can you do this? He's like, yeah, I can make that work. <laughs> yeah. But that guy is, that guy is awesome. Best kept, best kept secret in Houston. I'm trying to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Probably shouldn't have talked to him about him. Well, let's just edit that out. edit that yeah. out. Just really quickly, were you saying you knew right off the bat the, the first ten seconds that the, there's a great story when uh, when Genesis was re- auditioning for uh, the drummer when Phil Collins came in, they auditioned. He was the last guy of the whole string of like I don't know how many people in the same day. And P- Peter Gabriel says as soon as he sat down in the kit before Phil played a note, there's just the way he was sitting at the kit. Uh, Peter says so like that that's the guy he knew like right off the bat this guy knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah, something it's, about it's that, happened. Yeah. I've had that experience. If you, like, you know, every every time I've ever sat down with a really really good drummer, basically, when they sit down, they don't even have to play anything. They could sit down and just go like, like hit the yeah. bass drum, kind of right, like that. You know, that guy's good. You, you, know, you right, don't yeah. even have to hear a beat. Yeah. Just like the way they hit the drums, there's something about it. Yeah, yeah. Like the confidence or, or the the approach or something mm-hmm. like the, the second demeanor, you sit down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that guy's good. That guy's yeah. good. I I just want to say too, for the record, that this is. Way too many Phil Collins fucking references. <laughs> this is strange. It's come up. Yeah. This is fucking Monday morning, and you guys are throwing it around like it's like, all right. Just enough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's one of those guys. We, we've talked about it before. Like drummers who 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 don't have problems staying behind the kit. Yeah, I mean, he he he, he should never have got up. You know, the, <laughs> you know, just just stay back there. I just you know, uh, well, but even know. even still, even as a. When you're working in a Susu studio like I am, it's like, oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can feel it coming. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. The the but you know I, again the crux of it. If if your if your drummer's good, you know yeah. you, you can take it could take your band whole long, uh, much further than you you know than someone yeah. should. It's 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 kind of the most important thing in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean that. Well, you got to have a singer too, but you know, no, 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 not just, really though. Actually, yeah. it's more important to have a good drummer than a good singer. Yeah, that's been proven a few times. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was I was upset when Dave Grohl stopped playing drums and started playing guitar. I fucking hate that. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Just, yeah, but again, it's just 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 phenomenal drummer. Yeah, and uh, unbelievable, and uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, but yeah, well, what a what a great. I mean. What a, 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 a again in Houston you just don't you you know looking looking at it from outside looking at you know, Houston as the city it's just amazing the music scene and the 
because uh, I get schooled every time I talk to you or I talk to somebody, you know, you know, one, one of the Continental family, the Continental <laughs> Club family, you know, and, and you hear of these new little groups of, of, of musicians coming in from, you know, from, or, or that are already in town, you just don't know about it. Because yeah. we don't get to go out to shows because we play on the same nights as the, yeah, yeah. As all the other. Yeah, right. I've never seen disco expressions. I've heard many, many, many wonderful things. I know my sister loves to go dance to it. and Yeah, I mean, disco expressions is playing this Saturday. Sorry? At the Continental Club. Yeah, I know you are. But yeah. Yeah, it's, this Saturday is our, uh, our annual uh, Hot August Night Show because it's hot and it's August. and it's But the Hot August Night Show... Are you aware of what Neil Diamond? Neil Diamond, yes, of course. So, even even though Neil Diamond has nothing to do with disco, you know his heyday was really in the seventies. And yeah, we do, you've seen some of his shirts. Yes, he, yes, yes, he's yes. got everything to do with disco. So, Hot August <laughs> Night, we uh, we play all our disco. We play a bunch of disco stuff, but we also sprinkle in Neil Diamond songs all night long. I think nice. should, we I got think a full do horn that. section. I think we should take Saturday off so we can get So we, we got a full horn section and everything. So we do something like Sweet Caroline. You got Sweet Caroline, bah, bah, bah. you know the whole like the horns and everything, doing all that stuff. It's ridiculous. Wow. And we do I, like America, you know, which should be in everybody's da, set every da, night. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Oh man. Um, yeah. So Hot August Night. That's Saturday night at the Continental Club. That's gonna, that's going to be a fun show. And Beetle. Beetle on Thursday. Beetle on Thursday. Yeah. Hot August Night Saturday. Grinnell Grizzly Friday morning on the TV on Fox, yeah, on Fox. 26. Okay. On Fox. Yeah. Well, we'll put links to all this yes. stuff, but I, I want to say... Yeah. Make, make sure uh, you say Fox 26 News, not Fox News, because we don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very different things. Yes. Fox yeah, yeah, 26 yeah, yeah. News and Fox News are yeah, yeah. not the same thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't own a TV, but I'm sure we'll get to see the... Uh, I'm sure we'll get to see it... Um, uh, we'll post it and what whatnot. Put links to it and so. I, I, but I, we we have to we have to have you back. Yeah, because yeah, we, we, we've only got into we've only you know we've only got into the 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 the, 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 the foundation. To live. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got we got we got a lot of stuff that we still need to get to, and I know that you've got a you've got a a, a, a whole day of. Uh, are you going to the studio today? I am going. You're on to your way now. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I don't want I don't want to keep it, but we got to we got to do this again because a yeah, man. I know where you live, and b we got a <laughs> ton of shit we got to get to. So if yeah, somebody man. wants to work with you, uh, where do they go? How do they get in touch with you? BBGunStudio.com is the easiest way to do it. All right, just it, uh, it's not spelled easily though. B so it's two ends. B E E. It's B E E B E. Like let that B B. Think about like a B buzzing on. Let that yes. B B. That's how you spell the name. B E E B E. Then gun with two N's, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a dumb joke. There's no, there's nobody named Gun. It's just like a BB gun. But <laughs> BB gun studio. And, and how do you yeah. spell studio? Studio is a S. Let's see, Su Su Studio. S T U D I O. What have you ever thought of like S T D? You know, STD. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Chad. Yeah. Oh no, Chad's got that copyrighted. Damn it. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. It, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal bands. As you guys, you heard here, just a wealth of information on recording and uh, band. It just, I mean, you, you just, I mean, BB Gun Studios is seriously can be a one-stop shop for your for your rock and roll band, for your you know rehearsal, for your. Um, and and it's, it's or even if you or even if you like write songs and you don't and you don't have a band and you, yeah, you and you want to have a recording mm-hmm. even if you want me to if you want me to be your backing band yeah. I can do that I do yeah. it often drums so, bass guitars keyboard keyboards I got organ, vocals I got organ and piano string you did yeah. string I've sections string for arrangements yeah I, I did a I played a string arrangement or string section 
one of Trisha's songs. Yeah. Like wrote it, wrote it, arranged it, and played all the instruments on it. Which oh, is, wow. Gosh, really I didn't know you played that many instruments, man. I don't play string instruments well. I use uh, some of the tools in the computer to make it sound better, um, like, pitch, like pitch correction and yeah. cutting and pasting. But, you know, I can, I can fake it well enough to where it sounds... That's impressive. Sounds right. Gosh. Very, very real, so... Yeah, cool. we, and, and I think we, we, we should put a we should put like a clip of our just just the rough you know the Lemmy thing just like a section of that. Yeah, we, should, we just no, we just put it on here just to kind of just show because you know we, we we did that one song without a click. We just kind of was at the end of the session and we were because you were working so fast and we were able to you know we were able to put this little riff that we had worked on. So, uh, but I just again for just the raw, yeah, non that's, that's no, un, no that's polish, an unfinished, yes. completely un, untouched. Yes, raw recording. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to just to showcase the fact that we were able to, in, in a sense, vomit that out mm-hmm. and have him catch it, put it in, and then we went back in, just walk around the corner into the other room, and there, there you go, and you're listening yeah. to the. So yeah, maybe we can put a little little, yeah, little section that. of that just to show you. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is what you're dealing with. Again, like I say, we, we uh, and maybe we, if you guys feel like it, you guys can come back in the studio. Hey, uh, keep on the What's yeah. all this crazy talk? First it's Phil Collins, and now it's work. <laughs> all right, let's let's uh, let's cut it. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll put links to all this stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah Paul, thanks for coming. We're gonna yeah, we're, we're gonna absolutely. do this again, but we're for yeah, sure. Be warned. To. This is this is a good way to spend a Monday morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, all thanks right. everybody. We'll be back next week. And uh, what do we got going on this weekend? We're at. Um, Friday we're at Vintage Mo- Park, Moe's Vintage Moe's Park. Saturday Sa- timeout three in Pasadena, right? And then Monday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're in Monday, Kimo, we're in Monday. Kimo, Labor Kimo Day. Boardwalk. Gosh, we're doing the. Uh, so uh, I just want to say that the 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 Kimo with the Labor Day, the Labor Day thing, we'll probably have some surprises for that one. So uh, you, you might want to just get the kids and uh, the um, yeah yeah head, head down to Kimo for that one. That's going to be fun. Yep, yep. And also our new podcast, Blackguards Live, is now rolling. We've got two episodes out. Uh, the next one should be out later this week. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I'll have all those links in the show notes and so forth. Yeah, thanks for listening. So, all right. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Hill. All right. Rock roll.